Each year, thousands of students graduate from classical Christian schools and they head off to college and the work world beyond. How well do they do academically, socially, spiritually, and what cultural challenges are facing them that are new and different? Hearing their perspectives and experiences as they take their K-12 education through the challenges of higher education and jobs and family and life, it is inspiring and invaluable. In this episode, our panel of alumni offer wisdom and advice, first to students, especially those who are entering into the middle school years, wanting to understand more of classical Christian education. And then our panel shares a word of encouragement and recommendations to parents, as well as to school heads and administrators. Join us now for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live. So grateful that you're here today. Thanks for taking time to listen. I continue to be amazed from this vantage point of doing this podcast, the stories that come in from the ends of the earth all around the world of what God is doing using classical Christian education as a means and a a, a platform to further the gospel, to raise up the next generation. I don't know any better mechanism right now, given the cultural pressure when we think about Cyclops, the one-eyed screen monsters that come at our kids for seven to nine hours a day. I don't know a better way in terms of, it's just kind of math, how many hours of the day are they going to spend in our schools a lot between seven something and three something in the day in a five-day environment. And it's different whether you're in a hybrid or other places. But the point is, we have a really good opportunity to form habits and affections and raise a generation in a in a significant way that may be one of the only ways I think that's going to stand up to the current of the culture around us. And so grateful for you being a part of this um, listener base. It is growing. We are grateful for it. Thanks for getting out there and um, talking it up among your friends and peers. And thanks for leaving reviews and all of those things that help a podcast grow. We're in our fifth year, which is hard to believe. I was talking um, just recently to head of school, Aaron Hatcher and Aaron so impressed with the work you're doing five years at the Wapaka Christian Academy in Wisconsin. He and his wife, Courtney, have been faithful base camp listeners. Aaron was telling me he's been doing some catch-up, uh, going back and listening to older episodes, um, of which there are about 225 right now. So Aaron, I did a little math and figured out that you could listen, if you really are serious about powering through all of them, in a mere 52 weeks, you could per week, just listen to 4.3 episodes. So that's not a lot. (laughs) I don't know that I'd wish that on anybody. Um, That's a lot of listening, especially when you uh, do the big math, which means that since Basecamp Live started, we've got over 9,000 minutes and some 150 hours of recording uh, if you really want to listen to it straight. But I don't encourage all the way through, but I do encourage you to go back as these episodes are evergreen and they're topics that are going to impact whether you're interested in what's happening in the culture or parenting or classical 101, and really we get into 102 and 103 here, um, there are some great resources. And I'm always appreciative for those of you who are listening, just dropping that email, info at basecamplive.com, where you're listening from, what's on your mind. And of course, some of those um, emails end up becoming um, interviews on our Climbers series, which is a wonderful way for me to hear more of your story. And I know that some of you 
Um, well, all of us have stories, and you may be thinking, I don't have a Damascus Road story, so I don't know that I need to let him know where I'm listening from, but I'd love to hear from you. And even if your story is just, hey, we were a group of families that were ready for something else. You know, COVID awakened us to the need to rethink our children's education, and now we're starting a school. Like, that's an amazing story. We'd love to pray for you and know what you're doing. Or maybe you are, as an individual on your own journey, where you realized the way that you're spending your life pouring into the next generation is not happening for you. You feel God's call there, and now you've become a teacher or an administrator. Love to hear that story. There are so many variations. Maybe you're, you're in the mission field somewhere, and this is the platform God's given you to not only uh, take the gospel to the world, but to actually shape and form the next generation. So your stories are really interesting to me, and they're encouraging. So info at Basecamp Live is the easiest way to send an email, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, in this episode, I want to say a special thanks to our sponsors, The Focus Group, CLT, which is Classic Learning Test, The Rafiki Foundation, and CAP, Classical Academic Press. All of those organizations are doing incredibly important work in the area of classical Christian education, and I encourage you to take a look at the great work that they're doing. More details um, are out there on our website. Uh, one of the more popular Basecamp Live episodes that we did probably four years ago was when I sat down with four college graduates who had just come back for Christmas break after their freshman year, and that was a really interesting perspective. A lot of folks um, wrote in and said that was super helpful, albeit they were only one semester in. So I thought, we're going to do this again uh, our panel is this time three folks, but they're coming a little further down the journey, more like five to seven years out, cleared college, now into married life, work life, and now reflecting back on their K-12 classical Christian education. Uh, the folks that I assembled in this gathering, and we could, I, this would be something to do more often, is just talk to our graduates. At the end of the day, this is why we're all here. What is it like for them now that they've uh, taken this education in the world. So Hannah Owens Brucefin, Hannah, uh, of course, you can tell by name is my daughter, and I'm grateful, um, been wanting to get her on to tell her story. And then Bryce McDonald and Nate uh, Fredericks are our friends. They were at the Covenant School in Fort Worth together. They'll tell you a little bit more. All of them will explain their own journeys and their stories, but their perspectives to students and to parents and to school leadership is really helpful and encouraging. So look forward to having you join us now in this conversation with this panel. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here with an amazing and impressive panel of three folks. I'm really enjoying this environment where we have more than just one person to talk to. And we've got some really special people today to talk about the world of classical Christian education after you graduate. Three pretty impressive alumni. Um, first of all, Hannah Owens Brucefen my daughter. Um, and it's not that I couldn't find anybody else when I got my daughter, but I think, Hannah, you've been talking for a long time about coming on and talking about your experience. So welcome to Hannah. Hello. Happy to be here. It's good to have you. And people might recognize your voice because you often do the close at the end of the Basecamp Live sequence. So um, the well-known Hannah, Hannah was Bruce Finn voice. Um, and then Bryce McDonald. Bryce, welcome. Glad to have you here as well. Thank you. Good to be here. And Nathan Fredericks. Um, let's Hi. take... Good to have you, Nate. Why don't we go around real quick and just kind of a little bit about who you are, because folks, other than they only know, Hannah, go ahead, a little bit of other than you're my daughter. Um, there are other amazing accomplishments of your life. Yeah, so I have been in the classical Christian world my entire life, kindergarten through 12th grade, and then um, I went to New St. Andrews College afterwards. So I've had the full depth and breadth of the classical Christian education 
And I'm excited to talk about that today. I think it's really prepared me for my life now as an operations director. Um, I work for a conservative media publishing company with over a million YouTube subscribers. I spent some time um, with some adventures in the White House press pool during some of the 2020 rallies. So that was a fun experience. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. But yeah, in your in your college world, you you just mentioned kind of that full experience. You had two years at New St. Andrews yes. as an associate's degree, and you got two other college experiences inside of that or outside. Yes, of that. I kind of had pretty much every possible version of education. I had the very small gospel Christian college experience at New St. Andrews. Um, I then went to the University of Idaho and had the state school experience where I studied public relations and journalism, and then I went to Grand Canyon University, where I received a degree in advertising and marketing, which is kind of the average Christian college. So I've had all three experiences, so you, which has been very interesting. So you've been able to put the classical Christian education to the test in these three different yes. marks. We'll get to that in a second. Let's, Nate, go ahead. Tell us a little bit of your story and background. Yeah. So I also have spent a lot of my life in uh, classical Christian education. Um, I went to Covenant Classical School um, in Fort Worth, Texas, all the way from kindergarten through um, through my senior year of high school, um, and I loved it. Um, after that, I went to the University of Texas, um, where I continued to kind of study the liberal arts um, in their Plan Two Honors program, as well as biology, um, kind of balance you know the sciences and the liberal arts. And I'm currently a high school teacher during my gap year, and I'll be headed off to medical school next year. So wow, that's that's my story. That's great. We are so glad to have you. And and of course, in you and Bryce, did you guys know each other pretty well back in the Covenant days? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Bryce and I, we've been on mock trial teams together, basketball teams together. Wow. We go way back. Right. And and by the way, this is what's fun about this: the two of you know each other well, and and Hannah, you you you're just getting to know them like everyone else. So this is a bit of kind of a blind mashup to see how you guys answer questions. So just so that the listeners know, we didn't script this. This is really just straight up. Here's what you think about it. Although it sounds like we could create a whole other podcast around Nate and Bryce stories, but we won't do that right now. So uh, <laughs> Bryce, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about your story and your background. Sure. Like Nate, I, I was at Covenant Classical in Fort Worth for 13 years. And then for college, I went off to Boston uh, at Harvard for four years. And now I'm back in Texas. And, uh, you know, at, at Harvard, I studied uh, philosophy and, and classics, kind of Greek and Latin stuff. But there, there was an interesting journey to get to those majors in particular. Um, but anyways, I, I, I'm back in uh, Dallas, Texas, now a consultant. Okay. Wow. Well, you, uh, you know, you think about a lot of the a lot of the folks listening, and I think of our parents that picked the classical Christian school, and it is a thirteen year repeat decision. I don't know many buying decisions, if you will. You don't just choose this decision in kindergarten and step away. And so, for a lot of families, you get kind of that middle school years. You start asking, like, is this really the right journey? Is this the right experience? Where Where is this going to? Is it going to have? Are they going to be ready? For the real world, this is not just the Amish education, you know, for kids that want to go be professional violin players or whatever. Not that it's bad to be a violin player professionally, but there are other things out there. And what does it look like? So my question to you kind of first off is just looking back on your experience, what fruit do you see because of your education? And maybe sort of how did you see yourself different from some of the 
classmates you were thrust into school with there at the college level first before we get to your post-college life. Start with college life. Go ahead. Who wants to start? I can start off. Yeah, go ahead, Bryce. I think for me, the thing that was the clearest difference I, I felt in, in my preparation for the college world and beyond versus some of my classmates uh, at, at Harvard, for example, was probably just the coherent worldview that you get in a classical Christian education. You get to understand all areas of, of life from kind of a single single perspective. Definitely, it's not a it's not just one um, source for that perspective, but your teachers kind of work with you and help you develop a worldview. And so you're able to answer all the big questions in life in a way that a lot of people are maybe more uncomfortable with those questions and, and really unsure. And, and maybe they have certain um, certain answers that they're kind of been scripted to give, but they don't necessarily have the kind of comfort discussing and going back and forth on really the biggest questions in life. So that for me yeah. um, has been the most significant difference I've noticed. Yeah. Nate, Hannah, any other? Yeah. To go off what Bryce just said, I feel I was given a strong defense against chronological snobbery. So, you know, the fallacy that just because it's new, it's better. And I feel that I was really given the tools to be able to analyze every new trend, every new ideology that came my way and consider what about it might be true and how to apply it to my life. Cause there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that look really cool and exciting as a young adult out in the world. But if you don't have the tools to correctly assess what it's really trying to sell you, what it's really trying to get you to think, um, then you're up the Creek without a paddle. So I'm glad that I was given the tools to actually understand the kind of conversations I was having on a deeper level. Um, so and, yeah, and, I, I, I like what you said, Bryce. And let me just, so you, and I hear that, like, I think most people would assume that you guys are probably going to be ahead in terms of the philosophical questions of the day, but in terms of sort of being equally ready to just navigate the cultural, uh, you know, pressures, assumptions, whether it's the woke assumptions and pressures that are coming at you, the worldview things, um, it sounds like there's, you may not have, or maybe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I mean, maybe you, you know, hadn't unpacked every issue the culture is going to throw at you, but you had the tools to your point, Hannah, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. It's, it was more than just philosophy readiness is what I'm saying, or just. Oh yes, exactly. It was, it was, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to assess because I feel like every part of my life has been affected by classical Christian education in, in a way, um, in yeah. a positive way. So yeah, philosophical, the decisions I make about who to marry, who to um, hang out with, what kind of a tr career I want to go into. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Just because it's new, it's not better. Well, I think so. you're right. You can't, you can only see through your own journey, but you can see in contrast to a lot of the people you ended mm -hmm. up with and kind of their journeys. And again, these are broad brush strokes. So Nate, any comments on that? Yeah, I think it's, it's similar, but I think that classical Christian education it really challenges students in a really good way where they're not afraid to challenge themselves, whether that is, you know, philosophically, but also in the classroom. Um, I mean, there were plenty of times when, I mean, I, I, to get ready for medical school, I had to do all the organic chemistry, biochemistry, genetics, epigenetics, all the, all those fun upper division sciences. Um, and I think 
by going through classical Christian education, you really learn to not be afraid of anything. Um, you know, no, no, like seventh or eighth grader is going to go probably pick up the Iliad on their own, but you know, you do that in a classical Christian education. Um, and so being able to, you know, see hard things and then look back on, um, the accomplishments that you've had and the, the challenges that you've been asked to, to face and that you've gone through and come out better for, I think really, really prepares students both academically and, and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, if, yeah, if I can jump sure. in here, like you said that, I don't know Bryce or Nate, but I actually did mock trial too. <laughs> and so it's so cool to have fellow mock trialers <laughs> that I'm talking to, but I think that it really actually affected my confidence and the way that I could walk into a room and talk to anyone. And our mock trial team was special because we worked really hard, but we also just had that, um, that basic understanding of what it's like to have rhetorical skills and think on the fly and understand fallacies in the courtroom. And um, so we, we, we actually won state several times um, and we really did well in the courtroom, but those qualities served me really well when I got out of school because I knew how to stand in any room and talk to anyone and figure out what they're saying um, a level below what they're actually maybe saying with their mouth. Um, so yeah, I think it gave me a whole new level of confidence. And I see that in my friends that did not have the education that I had. They, they don't have those resources. They don't have those tools. So I I really appreciate my classical education for, for challenging me in that way. That's a good point, Hannah. I mean, you're talking, and this is a good kind of transition because again, I think most people would say, well, I would certainly hope you guys came out of there with sort of sharp minds. I mean, it's, you know, these are, these are the schools that tend to ask the harder questions and read the thicker books without the pictures and, you know, that kind of thing. But the social is also, I think, a real variable that, you know, and I don't know, and again, I've asked you guys to be totally honest about this, sometimes that we don't always get that just right. It's hard when you've, when you've been, I hate to use the word sheltered, but you've been in a very good way. You've been in a very controlled atmosphere. And then 13th grade all of a sudden appears and it's like, whoa, depending on where you go, uh, what just happened here? So socially, were there any challenges socially? Or were you, again, kind of to your point, I hear Hannah, you're actually felt pretty confident. Like you're, yeah, sure. Bring on a question. I'm comfortable talking to people. I'm not awkward that way. So any comments on how social readiness? Bryce, you got any thoughts? Okay. I can jump in. Yeah. I think, I think socially I felt, I felt prepared. Um, my graduating class was 16. Um, and I think my graduating class at the university of Texas was something like (laughs) (laughs) 10,000. So, a little, a little bit bigger. Um, my freshman year chemistry class was like 500 in my section. Um, so a little bit bigger, but also no one else has ever been in a class of 500 people before. Um, so I think having that confidence, um, in yourself and your abilities, being able to step onto campus is huge. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it totally, um, it's person by person thing and also a school by school thing, but, um, I think I felt totally prepared. Yeah. Bryce. Yeah, I would say it's really a school by school thing because I had the opposite experience. I had like 20 people when I went to college, which was less than <laughs> my, um, my Ambrose school experience because I went to New St. Andrews. And so that I think was very unique compared to what most classical Christian students are walking into like Nate or I'd love to hear Bryce's experience at Harvard, <laughs> what that was like. But um, yeah, I, I do agree. I think it kind of depends school by school. For me, I, I, I definitely didn't have any challenge with that. 
for for me, it seems like the there is kind of an underlying assumption. Whenever people tend to ask this question or or you know imply that maybe in in these small classical schools you're not getting the full social experience, I think there's an assumption that the full social experience equals a traditional kind of Friday night lights or, or a high school experience where you're you're getting all the drama, all the good and bad things of, that come with that, all the parties. And, and I don't know that that's true, that that is what it means to have a good social formation uh, going into college. And so I, I think that at, at a classical school, no matter how small it is, you have plenty of opportunities to, uh, to make friends and meet new people and even get to know people who are very different from you. Um, I'd say that's, that's definitely a, a skill that has served me well. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it goes without saying that not everyone in my class, uh, at, at Covenant Classical was, had a similar personality or background to me at all. Is it, is it yeah. fair? Go ahead, Hannah. I was just going to say that I think it's actually an old school approach to say that someone who's homeschooled or someone who went to a classical Christian school is not getting the full real world experience because the internet has really changed things for us. You can go online and see pretty much everything you would probably have seen if you went to public school and you're actively engaging with that as a classical Christian high school student. Um, and so you're, it's, it's not like you're completely sheltered from all of that. You're actively having to use the tools that you're talking about in the classroom every day. At least that was my experience. Um, so instead of being in a place where your whole world is that way, you actually have a shelter from the storm and can go and engage with the world in that way um, through friends who are not in the classical Christian world or online and have that home base, that base yeah. camp. Um, to understand what you're actually engaging with. So I really appreciated that. I have a lot of friends who are now having children and they will make the comment about how, well, I just, I want them to be a light for Jesus out in the world. And, you know, they, they're just going to show the world that Jesus is King. And I'm like, wait a second, your six-year-old's going to do that. Your six-year-old is a sponge and they're going to learn so many things from their environment. That's not what the purpose of school is. Hmm. Um, it's, it's not a, although it is, yes, it is about, um, you know, yeah. sharing God's love and the gospel, but it's, yeah, you're going to get that experience yeah. either way. I think. You can't keep, well, we're going to talk, we're going to take a break here in a second. When we come back, we, I do want to, there's kind of the three audiences I really want to get your, each of you to kind of share uh, into speak or speak into kind of into parents who are on that journey, making those decisions to students who are who are very much the ones that are getting to seventh grade or fifth grade even and saying, wait a minute, am I going to keep doing this? And then really school administration, who who I also know is listening to this. I want to just before we do that, I want to go back. Um, Bryce, you're making a, I think a, an interesting point about, and I would kind of put it under the title of adaptability, because it sounds like I mean all three of you have kind of talked to that that you could drop drop any of you into any environment right now, be it college or work world after and. Be able to kind of stand up on your own, be ready to kind of take different opinions around you, not be afraid of that. I remember a number of years ago, there was a student that transitioned um, into the school, uh, into Ambrose, where we were, and they were, I think, an incoming junior, really late to be transferring, but they came in from a public school in town. And they were, the whole point of this is they, this individual had a really difficult time believing that you could just actually ask honest questions and speak things 
um, directly into the classroom without sort of filtering what is the politically correct allowed thing to say. And so it's it's really, it seems like what you're describing is the reverse of maybe what kind of common sense would tell a parent perhaps that, well, you're, you're very, uh, you're very sheltered. You have very limited range of opinions. There's not a lot of diversity of thought in a classical Christian school. And yet it seems like, I don't know if you guys can speak to this, but when you get out into these folks that you met up in college with, it maybe came from different environments. They were, there's sort of a, a narrative that one has to follow in a government school or a narrative that has to be followed in other environments. That's actually not very adaptable, not very freeing. Does that, can you speak to any of that? Completely. The, I think the beauty of the classical element of classical Christian education is that you're getting exposure to actually all different, several different, um, many different ways of looking at the world throughout history, right? You, you get to understand the, from the Egyptians, the Israelites, the Romans, the Greeks, the medievals, you're getting to see all these different ways of looking at the world. And so when you happen to find a new one, let's just say you have a philosophy class in, uh, in college and your professor is pushing a really new way of looking at things. None of your classmates has seen this way of looking at things. And so it's not like, it's not like they are, they have a leg up on you. The benefit of having seen all sorts of different kind of ways of looking at the world through history actually gives you a, a really good starting point to, to evaluate new ways yeah. of looking at the world. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. It's true. And that's a great argument, Bryce, because so much our, so much of what we do is, is we look back, I always say we look backwards in order to look forwards. And I think most education is only looking forward. So you miss all of those perspectives and, and, uh, and life experiences and heroes and heroines, as we like to talk about. So why don't we take a quick break? We're going to come back, and I want to hear from you as you kind of speak into if you had a group of students in the room in front of you who are maybe in that wobbly world of saying, mm, what am I going to do here? Do I keep going this? Love to hear your opinion and your thoughts on that. We'll be right back with our three panelists here on Basecamp Live. Do you wonder if the traditional system of higher education is the best way to keep your student on the path to flourishing? Are you tired of having to choose between a solid Christian education and practical, marketable skills? We've got good news. You don't have to settle, and your student doesn't have to make the choice between a solid Christian education and skills development. At Excel College, we've combined a world-class, classical Christian education with an apprenticeship model that allows students to gain hands-on experience in the field of their choice while providing them with the context to grow intellectually, spiritually, practically, professionally, and missionally, all the while graduating debt-free. At Excel College, students learn how to build a life, not just make a living. Want to find out more? Sign up for a virtual presentation on our website at www.thexcelcollege.com backslash visit. Well, welcome back. We're talking about the, the audience of students. And I, I, I've i said many times on this podcast that Honestly, I think students are the most neglected population in the school, and people look at me like I'm crazy because aren't they the main reason they're in the school? And I'm like, well, we think about them in terms of folks that need to go get educated, but in terms of little folks that show up as six-year-olds and put on little uniforms and they get brought into this system, and then all of a sudden they get to the logic stage, we're teaching them to think logically, but have we really given them an understanding of what is this education? How is it different other than you wearing a uniform and the people down the street are not? 
to be able to own and appreciate their education. And so I would, you know, let's just pretend for a moment you're sitting in a, in a room full of, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth graders who are all going home and saying, mom, dad, I really am not sure about this. And, and you know, Johnny down the street gets to do this and I don't. And what would you say? I mean, if you could just have a few minutes with those students, what would you, what would you reassure them? What would you explain to them? Maybe that you didn't hear yourself coming through the process. Anybody want to jump on that one first? Nate, you got an idea there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can jump in. I think one thing that I heard a lot, cause I think this probably happens, you know, now that I'm a high school teacher, I hear it in my kids. Um, and I definitely heard it when I was in middle school and high school, um, is that, you know, every high school is, you know, feels broken at times, you know, there's no one school where everyone is going to love every minute of it all the time. Um, I think, so I think, especially as they get older, you know, I would encourage students to just really look at their school and look at the schools that they may, you know, see as more fun or, you know, looser rules and just, I think really evaluate the pros and cons because every, every school has them. I mean, classical Christian schools too. Um, and I think when like students really do sit down and, you know, evaluate what they're getting, um, you know, I think the relationships they have with their teachers and their peers, um, the deep friendships that are formed in the type of, you know, education that um, classical Christian, you know, schools foster. I think, I think most students can see that, you know, these really are things that I want to buy into. Um, so I think, I think, you know, really just being honest with yourself and saying, maybe I have to put on a uniform every day. I don't like, I don't get to pick what I wear, but you know, in the long term, I really, I really do want to pick this and choose this for myself. Yeah. Bryce, Hannah, so what do you think? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to break it down into two sides of things. I'm interested to see if Bryce and Nate had this experience too. On the one hand, I feel like there's a lot of classical Christian kids that just don't get it. They'd rather go to the Friday night lights. They'd rather go to the football game. They want to have the all-American experience. On the other hand, I've, I understand and I've seen students that feel an entitlement in classical education where like, well, I've been classically Christian educated. I can do anything I want now, but I don't completely understand why it's so great. And both sides need to have this middle ground where, like you said, it needs to go from the six-year-old um, being put into a classical Christian education to the, the student really taking it on as their own and understanding that this is a completely different experience than anything out there. And you have to really want to do it otherwise it's not going to matter it's not like some fairy dust that just because you have classical christian educated in the front of your name that you're suddenly smarter than everyone else um or that you know it's some antiquated thing that nobody is gonna teach you the realities of life like it you have to i feel like there was a lot of education to parents um and they would have parent night education about why classical christian is important um but i i don't know that I ever really had classes like that. And I wish that I did. I wish that I'd had teachers sit down with me and say, um, more than just studying the Greeks and Romans, um, or the great books, um, why that matters on a deeper level. And so if you can really understand that and embrace that and realize that is going to be your superpower, if you understand why, um, then you are going to come out ahead. But if it's simply just that you read a bunch of books, um, then you're not going, I mean, 
people can do well, but I, I think that was just to really put this in perspective, there's two sides there and yeah. you really got to understand exactly the importance of it. Um, and just the difference of it too. I don't, I don't even think it is comparable to an all American experience. It's something totally different. Yeah. That's good. And I think you're right. I think we can fall on the other side of the ditch and it becomes an elitist thing, which people accuse uh-huh. us of this is sort of reveling in our intelligence and maybe missing the grace and humility. Bryce, what would, what any comments from you and what you'd say to this room of, of students? Well, Hannah pushed on a really good refrain that you hear a lot of middle school and high school that there's certain things that maybe a classical Christian school feels a little bit uptight about. I think another one, if I would just press on another complaint that I heard many, many times from students would be, this is, this is a Christian school, but the, the structure that the school puts on Christianity and my kind of spiritual journey actually hurts my own ability to have a relationship with God. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's one that is, is, kind of surprising and unintuitive, but a large amount of students, I think, feel this way potentially. And I would just say that to those students that a classical education is never going to be, it, it's not everything. It's, it's not going to give you all you need. And a lot of that, a lot of the, your prayer life and your uh, love for God is going to have to grow outside of school and it's going to have to be self-imposed. And that's, that's a big one that I think I would just commend middle schoolers, high schoolers to take responsibility for, for that side of their life, because a school is, uh, will give you education. It'll give you maybe some of the intellectual virtues, but it will won't necessarily teach you the moral virtues and and that's a really as you as you kind of age into you know becoming a sophomore junior senior that's your responsibility ultimately yeah no that's that's really good point bryce and i think that's i also hear it i thought you were maybe going to make the point you know it's the hypocrisy argument like well Mm. you know the kid whose photos on the wall who's supposed to be you know the whatever of whatever award, you know, who's the kid that embodies everything the school's supposed to be about. Well, we just saw him last weekend and I think it blew the whole thing, but nobody told administration. So the whole thing's a bust. Mm-hmm. I mean, or the goal is the graduate. Um, Eric Cook, um, who I work with, who's, you know, there is your head of school, who's now the president of the SCL works with me. But Eric and I've talked about, you know, the goals of the graduate, which are the portrait of a graduate. There's that we need a goal but you're never going to get every, no one's going to ever be perfect at that. And I think that's the problem is we almost set that up as this, we idealize like, this is what you pay this tuition, your kid will be just like that. And it's like, well, wait a minute, they're not. So that may be easy for folks to become disillusioned as students in particular, as they see their peers. Um, that's really good. What other kind of staying in this vein of we're talking to students, I mean, the, I say all the time on this podcast that, you know, that what we call the 301 problem, which is we kind of control the culture from 745 to 3 o'clock. And at 301, Cyclops, a one-eyed scream monster, gets turned on out of their lockers. And for the next seven to nine hours, according to stats, there are, Hannah talked a little bit about this, but there's this whole other world that comes bleeding in on top of, and in some ways wins the affection, um, wins the thought leadership award over us, I mean, or over, I mean, the, the voice is louder, let me say it that way, in many cases, to what's happening in the classroom. What wisdom do you have, again, I think, in that balancing act, because everybody's like, you know, wait till eight, okay, to give them the phone, well, great, but now they're in eighth grade, and now they've got the phone, now there's a technology. How did you guys navigate that in terms of the outside culture's voices that now leech in so quickly? 
Did you guys all have flip phones? Maybe that's the yeah. answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got I got my first iPhone in eighth grade, and it. I think it, it's much harder today than it was back then. And that shouldn't be an excuse, but I, I think, and kudos to you, my dad, like, I think I had such a strong family foundation that pressed into me about what was true, good and beautiful at home. And if I hadn't had a strong family that really taught me those things from a young age, in addition to my schooling, I think I would have gone to or fallen into a lot of that stuff a lot faster or deeper or um and so I, I I will say this like I I look at my friends and I think there's three different well I'll say that there's um my friends who I see walk away from classical Christian education there's one common factor and that is their home life a lot of times you can look back to see what it's like for their parents and their marriage, their siblings. Um, it's just an interesting commonality there. So we can talk about more of that later when we talk directly to parents. But I think listening to truly your parents have what they desire is best for you. And they know um, it might sound stupid or cliche to tell an eighth grader that, but like, yeah, having parental things on your phones, just respect your parents in that. Like they love you and they, they want to see what you're learning about all day long really come to fruition. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of brainstorming as I talk, but that's kind of what comes to mind. Yeah, for no, me. that's good. Bryce, Nate, what do you guys think about that as far as these outside voices that come screaming in and wisdom around that? How yeah, did you experience it? I would say, yeah. Yeah. I would say just remember that it's, you know, it's not the real world. I don't mm -hmm. know. I think <laughs> it's so easy to see. You know, when you're in middle school, high school, Instagram, I guess now TikTok, whatever, <laughs> choose your, you know, pick your poison. Um, just a lot of, a lot of the voices you get in like media and stuff, it's just not, I think, representative of the average person you meet and, you know, what the average person thinks or believes. Um, and so I think a lot of, a lot of times it's easy to get hyped up. And I think this is also happens a lot in classical Christian schools, or at least for me is it's easy to have like an us versus them mentality and sometimes you see all these digital images or like stories and you're like oh you know the outside world is so crazy i need to just stick to all these um you know yeah certain certain ideas and it's like no i think if you get into the real world and interact with your peers from public schools or other private schools you know you'll realize that you have a lot of common ground and i think leaning on your classical christian education um to kind of you know and your family for those foundation of and reminders of what is true, good, and beautiful. I think is really, yeah, really important. Bryce, any any thoughts on this? Well, on the one hand, technology, which is sort of a it's a big word for all sorts of things going on. Technology isn't wasn't invented uh, when when Apple created the iPhone. Um, it's been around forever, and there's better and worse ways to use technology. And I, I think that kind of historical Christian way of interacting with technology is one that is um, is able to take technology and use it for good, but not be so attached to it that it, it weighs us down. And unfortunately today, that's a balance and a skill that that seventh graders have to be developing. And, and they, they, they do need to be developing it because it's 
it's really on them to to use you know this kind of huge superpower of of the internet uh it, it's on them to use it well which is which is hard um but there there's plenty of great people great holy people who've gone before us who've been able to be detached from these things so that they're not dominating our thoughts and dominating our lives yeah. and and kind of have a good reasonable balance uh with with those with with our friends and family and everything else uh, uh, in life no that's that's good before we get we're going to we're going to go a little bit longer kind of to this audience of students. We'll take a break and come back and talk, get your wisdom on what you would say to parents, what you'd say to school administrators, but just kind of final, final round of input. Students are sitting there in front of you. They're kind of wiggling in their chair. Now they're looking at you like, really, is this going to work for me? Um, Stay the distance. So what other, what other words of just encouragement would you give them that maybe some, we haven't talked about from this vantage point now of being post-college and out in life? You know, I, I've had several friends who we, we talk about Christian education as the huge benefit of, of these classical schools. Um, and not every person who graduates from a classical school stays in the church. And, and that's really hard uh, to see. And I, I guess I just want to address that kind of from a student's point of view, because I think that a lot of students don't see that coming in their own lives. And um, I, I think that I would just encourage students to just look into that future and see, okay, what, what about the real world is, you know, the, as Nate pointed out, maybe it's not actually the real world, but what about the world outside of this school uh, is going to challenge me the most? And maybe are there ways that, that I can kind of prepare myself for that? Um, but I just wanted to, to raise that because that's a, that's a big, um, problem and, and definitely a big question, I think, for people who leave classical schools. And, um, and so I think it, it, it would be great to address it, you know, earlier in the process. I think there's a lot of skills and qualities that I learned, um, secondary to what I was actually supposed to be learning. So if some student would say, well, I don't need to be reading the great books. I don't know why I'm reading the city of God. That's enormous. It doesn't address anything directly to the way that it um, engages all the issues we have in culture today. Um, I think there's a lot of things I learned, like how to read completely differently from doing something like that. I didn't set out to read big necessarily to gain that skill. I, I, I started out reading that book to get the content, but it taught me how to read differently, which taught me endurance, which taught me how to um, get through tough things harder. There's a lot of secondary and tertiary things that I learned because I was presented with opportunities that taught me much more than I, I would have if I just sat down and read the book for the content's sake or whatever the project or the opportunity was. So I think there's so many ways to learn who you are as a person and um, develop your own personality and likes and dislikes in the opportunities that were given in classical Christian education, because there is that kind of like Bryce was talking about, we're studying trends from the beginning of the world and we're taking each and every one with a grain of salt. So um, I think 
there, I, I've heard a lot of classical Christian kids complain about how hard it is. And yes, it's challenging. It absolutely is. But sometimes it's because it's teaching you something more than what you're actually just learning on a piece of paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it almost sounds like, and Bryce, just going back to something you were saying that, I mean, we are we not casting maybe a, a sober enough vision of what's outside the doors in the sense that I keep thinking about the parable of the sower and, you know, these seeds are going to get thrown out. Some of them some of them will bear fruit, but many of them are going to get you know tossed on the hot concrete and get baked up, and others are going to get eaten by the weeds. And I mean, again, it sounds this is this is kind of not the thing you would pitch in your open house talk, but it's in terms of like the sober truth is that it is not everyone who goes through this process is going to just by default walk out and love Jesus and be a great thinker. They're going to some will fall, and so it sounds like if you're talking to students, you would just say, "Look, you got to own that. <laughs> you, you're not you're not helpless in this process." and you know, we're, you know, head to the good soil basically. So Nate, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I would, I guess what I would encourage students to do, and this is a little bit apart from that, um, and more towards, I guess, probably the community and culture that I think a lot of students are often frustrated by at classical Christian schools. Um, at least in my experience with my classmates, they're sometimes frustrated by kind of like what we were saying earlier, not having the Friday night lights experience. Um, and I would say you reap what you sow. Um, my wife went to a classical Christian school. Um, it's a wonderful school, and they've got a Friday Night Light scene that could, you know, go toe to toe with any big school in Texas. Um, they've got the big smokers and the tailgates, the cheer team, the student section that's just super rowdy. And, it, and that kind of culture and community doesn't just come out of nowhere, and it doesn't just come out of, you know, the big public school in town. Um, and so I think I would really encourage students to buy into the community and the culture that they find themselves in. Um, and if they're missing, you know, like having a fun student section at the football games, make it happen. You know, you, you, you only get, um, yeah. get out what you put in. So That's I think I would encourage to yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Go I think it. it's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll see what you have to say to these parents and these school uh, teachers and administrators. I'm sure there's some good perspectives and encouragement you can offer. We'll be right back with this panel looking at classical Christian education. Hey there, I'm Jeremy Tate, founder of the Classic Learning Test or CLT. Here at CLT, we are big fans of the Basecamp Live podcast, and we're excited to be joining Basecamp in the renewal for classical education. In addition to our beautiful suite of assessments for grades 7 through 12 and soon to be 3 through 6 as well, we have exciting new things going on at CLT. Please check out our new website where you can find out about the Anchored Podcast, the CLT Journal, and upcoming test dates. Head over to www.cltexam.com basecamp. Again, that's www.cltexam.com basecamp. Whether you're a homeschool parent, a teacher, or a school administrator, we would love to support you in your mission fulfilling a classical vision for education. Welcome back again. We're talking to these alumni who are um, K-12, college, and beyond. And so looking back on all of this, what wisdom might they share? So I've asked the, the team just to think about the question of you're now in the room. The students have been dismissed. The parents are all sitting in front of you now. And I know some of the things you've already said to the students are very important for the parents, but are there some things that you would want to just say to those parents who are 
going the distance here and just reflecting on this K-12 classical Christian education. Anybody want to speak to a parent? What would you tell them? Go ahead, Nate. Yeah, I, yeah, I can go ahead and start. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would say is that your kids are going to model your behavior. And I think that's just so true in so many different so many different aspects of life in respect to the classical Christian school. Um, one thing that I saw or had modeled for me with my parents is, you know, positivity and trust and just really buying into classical Christian education. And I think that went so far for me in trusting my teachers and trusting the school that I was a part of. Um, I'm a high school teacher now, and the, the students who have parents that are bought into what we're doing as a school um, have the kid, like those are the, those are the kids that do the best in class that really, I think, get the most out of, um, yeah. out of school, even if they're not, you know, the grade A student, but if they have parents that are really bought in, they will, they will glean out of classical Christian education, what like the best, um, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, the best things that there are. And I assume it's okay. And the reality is a lot of times you're not bought in, meaning it's not that you're anti, you just maybe don't get it. I mean, I remember talking to a dad who's like, why are we always studying the Greeks and the Romans? Like, I know there's other stuff in history. And then it's just, the problem is when, I think, Nate, to your point, when the grumbling or the questioning goes public in the home, and now the kids are wondering, wait a minute, mom and dad aren't even sure this is a good idea? So, you know, maybe, maybe save it for, you know, a quiet conversation without your kids right there in front of you. So good. Good point. Bryce, Hannah, what do you think? Piggybacking off of that. No. And this sounds so obvious, but really take it to heart. Classical Christian education does not equal Sunday church. And I've seen so many parents that just kind of don't really care about church because they feel like their kids are getting it monday through friday and maybe the parents are new to their faith and they don't really know what it means to take them to church every sunday be really involved in their church community as well um because although at ambrose my um i think there was like 73 different churches that were um represented across the ambrose school body but that that didn't that didn't mean that it was one church. There were so many different um, perspectives and um, it was a really good opportunity for debate and things like that, that um, kind of, as we talked about earlier, like having those different perspectives, but you have to be grounded in your church community as well to be successful. It cannot take the place of that. So that's, that's a good point. Fine. Absolutely. Pastors are cheering as you speak. Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just want to tie together what both Nate and Hannah said. The, even the most enthusiastic parents about classical education, sometimes actually they don't, they don't have the, the exact idea of what role does education play in my kids' lives versus some, you know, versus things outside of school, right? So what, what is, what is a school supposed to give my kids? And I, I think that it's not supposed to be church. It's not, uh, I think more common people, people tend to assume that it's maybe vocational school or it's SAT prep. It's, it's neither of those things. I think <clears throat> at least that's not, that's not usually the, the end goal. Um, I, I, I think that the, that the classical school, when you're, when you're studying Homer, you're not studying Homer so that you can have better cocktail party conversation. You're studying Homer because you're trying to kind of 
elevate your mind to the things that are true and good and beautiful throughout history. And that was, I, I think, just personal on a personal note, I went to college and assumed that I was going to do something. I assumed that I was going to study computer science and do something very practical with my, with my college, my four years at college. And I was kind of won over by ultimately the beauty of some of these more humanities type subjects. And I realized that my classes that I, that I took um, didn't have to do everything to prepare me for a job. I could prepare on my own. I could, I could get the help that I needed outside of school, outside of college and, uh, and use my classes for kind of this really just beyond being able to study truth. And I think that by analogy, I think that applies similarly for middle school and high school. You don't have to get the whole, uh, preparation for your career, the rest of your life in the walls of the school. You can, you can work outside of that to fill in the gaps if, if need be. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask just again, kind of, I'm going to save time to move to teacher administrators. I think that the, what would you say to the parent that just said, I don't want my, um, I mean, we've talked about Friday night lights. Are there other things that are kind of the lure outside the walls that maybe parents can get wrapped up in thinking, I, I want them to have X, Y, or Z experience and maybe talk to maybe why that, maybe that's not necessarily as, as critical as maybe they may think it is. In other words, I, I think a lot of times, there's a push to try to over supplement the classical Christian school and let's get them in three club sports because they really need to, you know, go pro, which is probably not percentage wise going to probably happen. But I mean, there are these lures and these pulls and these, and these fears, honestly, I think as a parent, you have a fear that I'm going to mess this thing up. So I better go add to, cause I didn't get enough of it at the classical Christian school. Any, anything kind of come to mind as I'm yeah. presenting that? Yeah, I think it's important for parents to understand the K through 12 experience of classical Christian education, but almost more so it's important for them to understand the role of the college experience, because I've seen so many parents and my friends um, so wrapped up in getting college credit and going to get certain courses that are going to look better to get them into the Ivy League so they can do this, that and the other. And I, I think this is, you get me talking about this for a while, but I think the college space has really changed in the last 10 years. And it's really in the last two to three years, it's really showed its true colors. Um, but college is not the same thing it was in my parents' generation. And it's not going to get the leg up that it used to. Most of the time, it's going to get you in debt and it's going to teach you stuff that is not applicable in today's environment. Like, Nate, like if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, please go to college. Like I <laughs> beg you. But if you're going to be anything else, it's it's not it does not have the power that it used to have. And so I think if parents are hyper focused on college, they need to understand exactly what that college education is getting them and what that diploma is worth in today's market. It is. Yeah, I have a lot of stories to share about my college experience and how I kind of went into it thinking about how important my degree would be. And I walked away as an entrepreneur. So um, I think it's important that parents understand long-term why they want their kids to go to college. Yeah. That's a good. I think it's a really good point. And, and Bryce, you went to an Ivy league. So any, any thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I, I would just say it's there, there are, there are kind of, um, 
benefits to college for some people, mm-hmm. but the vast the vast majority of people, um, they're 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 not always they're not kind of getting the most out of their classes or they're not getting the most out of the extracurriculars. And that's not to say that uh, they shouldn't go to college at all, but I think they should just be realistic with what they're tra- hoping to get out of college and. And maybe that would allow them to do a cost benefit analysis um, mm. to understand that. But yeah. but for me, I, I I loved my college experience. It couldn't have been better. But I know that that um, I'm not everyone, and, and, and that's not the case for everyone. Yeah, no, that's a good. I think it, you're. I think you're right. I mean, it, it's changed. Why why are we? Um, you know, we want to set our kids up for success. I'm just speaking as a parent in that audience, and I think the question is just, you know, we don't want the. We don't want to. We don't want to misrepresent what this an, a college experience is going to be. And I think that's a, that's a whole other podcast to the to the point you're made. And I think the point at hand here is just let's make sure that K twelve isn't just a means to that end. Is what I hear you saying. Like there's a lot more there that needs to be embraced. And don't don't over program, over fret yourself away from, and then miss out on the very thing that was the secret sauce of K twelve. I know families have said, hey, we don't have a lot of money for tuition, but we're gonna skimp and pull and make k-12 happen and then we know they'll be ready to kind of figure out life and college beyond that so i mean it's that's mm-hmm. kind of the new the new thinking well let's take a moment kind of shift gears parents please exit out go get some refreshments now we're going to bring back in the faculty the administrators now they're sitting there looking at you all these heads of schools um what would you say to them what, what do you say to school any any advice to them any tweaks if you all were running the school you could go take over your school for a day what would tweaks would you make to curriculum or to whatever just life in the school to make it better what's your advice i would say you've got to know why you're teaching what you're teaching and i i know that sounds obvious uh and and many teachers do but in my experience that's really um super important to be communicating and and teaching to the students on an almost daily basis why is it important that we're learning this abstract math even if we're never going to use it, uh, you know, come come college or come come life after college. Why is it important that we're learning Latin? Why are we reading the Iliad? I think that we we know kind of intuitively it's the right thing to do. But I've I've seen so many classes where the students ask the teacher. It's really the defining point of the year. The students ask the teacher, "Why are we studying Latin? Why are we reading this book? Why are we studying math like this?" And if this teacher is not able to answer the question um, really decisively and clearly, then um, and and then then kind of it can lose the student's attention for maybe even the rest of the year. Yeah, um, boy, Bryce, that is a great, a great point, and we've probably all been in classrooms where yeah, there's nothing that'll kill it faster if the professor doesn't even a teacher doesn't even know why they're doing what they're doing. And and I think more mature classical Christian schools have started figuring this out. And there are the better lesson plans I've seen actually have at the top of the lesson plan, sort of linking it back to the virtue that they're trying to distill out. Even if it's not a one for one match through every bit of it, there is something more noble that connects back to the larger vision. But you're right. If you can't articulate that and, um, and even being able to, I mean, I talk a lot, a lot of my talks and consulting I do is just around trying to help parents and schools answer the simple question. What in the world is classical Christian education? And it's, um, as Hannah knows, because she's helped me video kind of man on the streets at, at Christian conferences where that's not such an easy question to answer. All right, let's go back to it. Nate, Hannah, what would you say to these administrators? Yeah. And heads? 
just to kind of piggyback back off of what Bryce said, the worst thing a teacher can say is that we need to learn something simply because we're going to be using it in college. And then we get to college and we're never using that thing. So I agree it's about knowing why you're doing it. But I also think teachers and administrators need to be keenly aware of what they're up against. Like this is not just a nice little education thing. This is a cultural battle that classical educators are in. And you need to be aware of who the enemy is. And, and students are going to be asking very pointed, very, very serious questions. Like when we're talking about gender ideology, that is a huge issue in today's culture when your ch child doesn't even really know they're being told by the world that they can go and have their gender changed simply because they want to. And so I think teachers and administrators need to be very aware of um, what trends are happening online that their children are engaging with. And I think they need to be, have firm answers for why those specific trends and the specific things that are happening in culture um, aren't correct and, and how those students can engage with them rather than some philosophical idea of why it's wrong, but really understanding at a granular level what's happening in culture. Because I think it's really easier, easy to divorce um, ourselves from the world. You know, we're in the world, not of the world. I've heard that a million times as a classical Christian student, but like, why does it matter? Like this is a culture war and how do we take active steps to rid ourselves of all these crazy woke things that are happening? Because otherwise it's just some kind of philosophical fairyland that we're talking about at school and then we go home and we go on tv and you know it's just two mommies and two daddies and that's perfectly normal well like kids are if they're serious about it they're going to want to do something to fix that and and why is it wrong first of all and what can they do to um be a culture shaper i think i went to new st andrews and i love new st andrews but they always talk about we're shaping culture and i think that's exactly the right uh direction we need to go in but there needs to be some kind of tangible direction about what that means and more so in a k-12 through school um and so just making sure the teachers and administrators are aware of what's going on um even do, down to social media trends i think that's well, do very you think, important hannah do you think in that again if you're <clears throat> head of school for a day i mean is it a case where the schools need to own that in terms of enveloping those issues into the somewhere in the classroom, probably your 12th grade year, you're actually talking about these things. I mean, is that, mm -hmm. is that part of the answer to it? Cause I wonder if in this, to our earlier comments on, yes, it's home and yes, it's church. I think it's, it's one mm -hmm. of those things where like everybody's kind of tossing the hot potato around. It's like, well, I'm assuming this is being talked about at church. Well, it's probably not. I'm, oh, I yeah. yeah, probably not. And it's never talked about. And then you show up at college. Is that the problem? I a hundred percent think it would. Um, and maybe, if you don't agree, I'd love to have that discussion, but I, I think it needs to be in the very fabric of what you're discussing each and every day about why this matters, because if they don't under, if students and parents don't understand why you're doing something, um, well, maybe I should say this, as we've discussed, is a perfect opportunity to share why this matters and why classical Christian education is so important. And if you don't view it as a culture war, um, then I think that's the first place to start. Yeah. I mean, and I think most people would agree. Like the, I mean, most folks listening know that the barbarians, I always say the barbarians are not only at the gates, they've climbed over the wall and they're having dinner with us and they're on our phone. I mean, like they're here. I mean, so I think we, but just what do we, yeah. w within the realm of you're speaking to school administrators and, and 
teachers, like what within their domain, like, hey, I've got to get through this lesson plan. I don't have time to address everything. How does that actually functionally work? Um, But I think that's a great idea. I think we need to, I do think we need to carve out some space because otherwise we're maybe not fully equipping. Nate, what do you think about this? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think it honestly is really similar to what I would say. Um, I think coming out of a classical Christian school, I had a really good idea of what I thought the world was like. And then I went to the University of Texas, which at least <laughs> in Texas is considered um, super, super woke, liberal, whatever. Um, I can't tell you how many times I had conversations with parents asking me how how I was doing in the land of fruits and nuts. Um, I always thought Texas was, was like the land of like, you know, the final vestige of like real church and real life and real, you know, conservative. But I, obviously it depends on. If you're I was going to say, I think, I think. Were you Austin. in Austin or? Yeah. OK, that's yeah. right. Houston versus Austin's like, yeah, quite different. (laughs) Different places. Yeah. And so I think coming into Austin, I expected to have to sign papers that said that I thought God was dead and all that. And I think, I think coming out of a classical Christian school, I think I had a different perspective about what the world was than it, it ended up being. And that's not to say that the world had, you know, I came to UT and Every, every philosophy was, you know, classical and Christian and nicely refined. I think in a lot of ways it was, you know, there, there were different ideologies about everything from mm-hmm. what is marriage, what is gender and all these things. Mm-hmm. But I think the kind of combative, you know, these people are going to be at your throats. I think, I think I was surprised by how that wasn't real and how that wasn't, at least not, not in my experience. Yeah. Um, and so I think being able to have perspective um, and have conversations where the other side was steel manned, I think maybe a little bit more honestly, um, in the classroom, Mm. you know, people, people aren't saying the things that I think you often see a lot in, you know, a YouTube video or Mm. something like that. And I think being able to understand that there are people who hold different beliefs than you, and it's not, you know, necessarily because they're, you know, you know, mentally you know not intelligent but it's because they come from a different worldview and being able to have those conversations in love like you know classical schools like dream of right is having conversations with people that you deeply disagree with and being able to have those fundamental conversations in love and like be honest with people i think is really big Mm. i mean i had friends in college who matched every letter of the lgbtq plus spectrum um and they're dear friends and we had great conversations about really, really, you know, fundamental critical issues. And I think that I wish I would have been able to see that that can happen in the world and that that is possible in the world. And I think that a lot of that comes with classical Christian schools, just sometimes being a little echo chambery. So I think there are certain, obviously conversations, you know, that maybe shouldn't happen in a classical Christian school or, you know, you need to be careful about whether you talk about it with your sixth graders or your seniors, you know, I think context really matters, but I think recognizing that, um, you know, it's possible to have these conversations in love and have, you know, these really great, great relationships with people who think differently than you. I think I wasn't expected for that, but, you know, ready for that. And I I was really pleasantly surprised. Good. Good. No, I think those are great. I think the more we can kind of pressure test these things before we're out from under the, the umbrella of, of, you know, the immediate home life and school is, is ideal. All right. So kind of in the fi- final round here, just kind of closing it up, just I'm going to give you, each of you a moment just to share 
just for kind of a final word of encouragement, just in however, wherever you want to go with it, just thinking about the audience here and, um, and just you know, kind of speak into this question of here you are, you've gone through this whole, you guys are the products, if you will, of the K, you know, the classical Christian factory. You've come off the end of the assembly line. So give us your, uh, give us a final word of thought or encouragement. Anybody want to go first there on that? I'm catching you just on a final curveball here. Or maybe something we didn't talk about that sort of you want to make sure you have a chance to share. I think one thing that I've realized that was implicit in my my time at a classical school the whole time, but I didn't I didn't really see it when I was in it, was how uh, great of a chance it is to really almost prepare yourself for heaven. Uh, and, and I know that's, that sounds really ludicrous. And uh, like I'm reading off some, some, some cliche uh, advertising brochure. But ultimately, in, in a classical school, what you're doing is learning how to appreciate the best things in life, meaning what is true, beautiful, good, and just contemplate those. And that attitude of contemplation and wonder is what heaven will be like and and so it's it's not about you know as, as much as life often boils down to uh making ends meet and getting through the day um i think maybe classical education can give us a little taste of of heaven uh and and kind of just elevating mm-hmm. our minds and and getting a chance to to really contemplate those high things that's a great word bryce Nate, Hannah. Yeah, the the word that comes to mind when I listen to Bryce's comment there is curiosity and the power of and the importance of curiosity in life. And I think my classical Christian education taught me how to be rightfully and righteously curious. And that kind of sounds a little esoteric, (laughs) but I think it's important to be able to ask good questions. That's the, that's the way that we can both understand the world and convince the world um, of what is true, good, and beautiful. So I'm so grateful for the education that I have and that I, um, yeah, I, I, nothing but positive things to say. (laughs) I think there are school ministers making fast notes for their next head of school talk here on what you guys are saying. This is really good. So Nate, any, any final word? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it is such a blessing to be a part of classical Christian education. And I, I consider myself so fortunate. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I just really consider it a huge part of my life growing up. And I think going forward into medical school and beyond, you know, I think it is so cool to see how classical Christian education touches every part of your life um, and prepares you for every part of your life in unique ways. Um, and so I think I'm really, really blessed to be able to have that perspective and, mm. and just really see the fruit of that education in my life. And so my encouragement to students would be stick with it to parents, you know, hold strong when your kids maybe aren't thrilled <laughs> with school and then to administrators is fight the good fight. Keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Well, Bryce, Nate, and Hannah, thank you so much. We'll have to have you back in 10 years and you tell us all about how to what it's like to be parents in a classical Christian school, having gone to a classical Christian school. So your generation, we love it. It's starting to happen where you guys are starting to show back up Gen 2, starting to come to school. So it's exciting. So, hey, thank you all so very much. Yeah, what a blessing to get to talk to you. And 
best uh, blessings to you as you uh, as you live that next decade out with all of this education behind you. So thanks again. Hey there, Basecamp Live listeners. This is Davy's daughter, Hannah, here. And I want to congratulate this amazing podcast on almost five years of incredible content, enriching interviews, and over 200 episodes. So that has brought so much encouragement to people. And thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for supporting this message, this mission. And there are a couple ways that you can help in sharing that message. First of all, please leave a five-star review on whatever app you are using to listen to this podcast. You can also share it with a friend. That's a great way to get the message out about Basecamp Live. And of course, share your story with us at info at basecamplive.com. There we'll also answer all your questions and more. And any topics that you'd like to hear too, please send them there to info at basecamplive.com. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks.